edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to this episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast that believes when it comes to Alaska's economy, we're all on the same team. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Andrew Halcrow. With me, as always, is my collaborator-in-chief, Mr. Van Sanders. Mr. Sanders, how are you this fine episode? I'm doing pretty good. Really enjoying the sun this weekend. Went down Campbell Creek Trail, visited Hope. It's been really nice. Well, that's good to hear. And what's the project of the week in the Abu Dhabi Labs? I'm actually returning to a 3D project that I had put on pause for a a big buffalo statue. I think I mentioned it previously. Um, And I'm also just working on personal projects. Yeah. Always good to hear what's happening in the Abu Dhabi Lab. And ladies and gentlemen, we will throw you Van's website details at the end of the show. You should check out his latest video. It is just, it is, it is fabulous. All right. As always, I would like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on their platform and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this show are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape, or form reflect the opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. Today on With All Due Respect... In politics, we talk about what policymakers could do immediately to jumpstart Alaska's economic recovery. In life, we're going to take a look at some polling data on the perceptions of downtown. And in entertainment, we talk about a great French fashion icon who needed America to make her great again. Let's talk politics. Politics. And now, for some politics. As the legislature slogs on in Juneau, the conversations have all been centered around spending money, from the annual budget process to the debate over guaranteeing a cash handout in the state's constitution. Unfortunately, there is no discussion about how to grow the economy while helping Alaska communities become more independent. Every Alaska community faces the same thing when it comes to attracting investment and facilitating local development, the cost of getting things built. While the legislature a few years back granted communities the ability to create their own tax incentives. For instance, in Anchorage, we adopted a 10-year tax abatement for new downtown housing, and that resulted in the first two new housing developments in downtown in decades. But the challenge for local communities will always be capacity. Local communities have been under incredible strain the last five years at the same time the state's been mired in a recession. The state budget has been cut by hundreds of millions of dollars, transferring those costs not only to local communities and local taxpayers, but facilitating an out-migration where our population has declined. Local communities like Anchorage will never have the local tax capacity to offer development incentives that will really spur growth. So the question is, why do we need incentives? First off, high cost of construction. As we know, Alaska has one of the highest, if not the highest, cost of living in the country. So from an investor or a developer standpoint, by the time you invest the capital to build something, it's traditionally worth less in value once you're done. So this creates a much higher risk. 
The second point is the cost of public infrastructure replacement. Some of you might have read about the wooden sewer water lines that collapsed on Fifth Avenue. Look, that's not uncommon. There are miles and miles of 70, 80-year-old infrastructure. And so if I'm a developer, I'm looking at already tight margins to build something. But then I come in and usually the local community will make me replace the infrastructure. The third thing is we have an uncertain state economy. From a local or outside investors, this is a risky place to do business right now. I mean, the state legislature can't even decide whether we're going to be in business five years. The next point is out-migration. Over the last five years, we've been losing thousands and thousands of Alaskans. So if you're an investor or a developer, you have to take into consideration that you're losing your potential customer base. But the biggest problem is the lending limitations by private institutions. They always leave a gap. For instance, if you wanted to build a development, say a housing project, you as the developer bring in so much equity, you bring in land and cash, then you go to the bank and the bank will give you X amount. The challenge is between what you have and what the bank is willing to lend, there is what's called a gap. That's where the state economic development agencies could help local governments by providing patient capital, still maintain strict fiduciary requirements, but help community development by providing low-cost bridge funding. In order to understand this better, we need a history lesson. A history lesson. About three years ago, when I was director of the Anchorage Community Development Authority, myself and my amazing consultant, Shanna Zussman from Agnubeck, became tired of having to walk away from the table regarding deals that would have transformed downtown. And the challenge was always the existing gap. The developer had X, could bring in land and cash, the bank would lend Y, and there was always that gap. So we began to talk about this and create an outreach initiative to tell people what the challenges were, not just in Anchorage, but every Alaskan community, and how we might address this and facilitate economic growth. So we started reaching out to different business groups, housing groups, we reached out to policymakers. The response was incredible. What this would do is this would unlock capital and create value and economic growth. Let me give you an example. Over the last two years at ACDA, we have negotiated a new housing project downtown, market rate housing, the first market rate housing in 40 years. The challenge was, as always, the builder had X. So we brought in the land and some patient capital. And what we received was a brand new housing development. We get paid back over 25 years, about 2.5% money. And we have a new development that creates jobs, economic growth. It creates a population base for downtown. And more importantly, it creates property taxes for the local tax base. So how does this happen? The state currently has three economic development agencies that could simply turn inward and begin focusing on community development. Those agencies include ADA, AEA, and AHFC. My biggest critique of ADA is that they have the capacity, they have the structure, but just seem unwilling and uninterested. From a development standpoint, I have no idea how you can commit tens of millions of dollars to projects that will take decades to develop, if at all. Meanwhile, you have a golden opportunity to attract local investment dollars immediately, thus adding jobs and economic growth, but more importantly, building the communities. So when they are successful in attracting industry, those industry and their employees have a healthy community to exist in. Here is a perfect example. A few years ago, we went out and met with Ada and said, look, we need $2.5 million in patient capital to tear down the JCPenney garage. What that would do is that would give Anchorage the platform to build a $60 million project 
increase the local tax base. It will help make communities more independent. And these projects exist all over the state. In Fairbanks, a development grant could help them tear down an asbestos-ridden building in the middle of downtown and create a platform for a new convention or meeting center that could add millions to the local tax base through increasing convention business. In Juneau, community has rallied around the Juno Arts and Cultural Center, which would be an opportunity for them to reshape their downtown and increase the capacity to handle local tourists. And that really is the point to all of this. Over the last several years, the state has been cutting communities loose with budget cuts and cost shifts to local taxpayers. Over the last two years that I've met with state lawmakers, development agencies, and the Governor's Alaska Business Development Team, my point has been the same. If the legislature wants communities to be more independent, and doesn't want to have to support them with cash, then at least give communities the tools to become independent. Now, how has this been received? In Juneau last year, the response was almost unanimous. My community could use something like that to spur investment, was the echo we heard throughout the halls. Over the last year, the effort has been aided by Representative Jonathan Christ Tompkins from Sitka. Side note, podcast loves Sitka. And Senator Natasha Von Imhoff from Anchorage. I got a shout out to both of them because they recognize the need and they also recognize how this can help local communities without spending a dime of state money. However, our meetings with the governor's Alaska business development team were met with both a combination of disinterest and even outright hostility. After one presentation to 100 community leaders in Juneau, one of the members of the governor's team verbally lashed out at myself, my consultant Shanna Zuspin, and Juneau's resident development expert, Carol Treen. But this idea is low-hanging fruit, and I don't understand how these folks can look away from this opportunity. I don't know what these folks have accomplished over the last few years other than bad press about hiring the grandson of one of the governor's large campaign contributions. But the Alaska Business Development Team should be championing local development because it seems to me that it's called the Alaska Business Development Team. And since there is no Alaska without communities, you're in the community development business. So what can be done? The Alaska Business Development Team, in coordination with the Department of Commerce and Community and Economic Development, should be the point for the different programs for investors. ADA could focus on Community Development Fund, patient capital, and expanding their lending to mixed-use developments. HFC could focus on patient capital for housing. AEA could be focusing on PACE financing, energy-related development incentives, and following through with their efforts on creating the first green bank in Alaska. These creative changes to the state's existing economic development agency have the potential to unlock local private investment, which will create jobs, economic growth, and allow Alaska's communities to become more modern and more independent. And while on the topic of community development, um, while at ACDA, Andrew asked me to create a page on the ACDA website that lists a bunch of information and tools for Uh, local developers to help them in the process. If you want to check that out, that's at acda.net slash step one. And now, let's talk about life. Let's talk life and public opinion. A few years ago, we did some polling on perceptions about downtown and parking, and we got some pretty interesting responses. The polling sample was 358, and the survey was done by local pollster, my man, Ivan Moore. The takeaway was that the more you come downtown, the more you think parking is fine. The less you come downtown, the more you think parking is bad. In fact, although parking is commonly a complaint about downtown, almost 70% rated parking downtown a C or higher. But the most interesting was our customer profile. Here are the people who like downtown. They are moderate to progressive, single, male, female, 
married female with kids, 18 to 44 age demo, they're tech savvy, they've lived in Alaska less than 15 years, and their income is 40000 to 100000 Now, for those who don't think fondly of downtown, they are conservative, mainly male, 45 plus age demo, they are not tech savvy, they've lived in Alaska for more than 30 years, and their income is 40000 to 100000 That's the customer profile of those who think fondly about downtown and those who think not so fondly of downtown. And now, entertainment. All right, let's talk entertainment. She was born into extreme poverty in rural France in 1883. Her mother died when she was just 11 years old, and her wandering, philandering father came back just long enough after her mother died to drop her off in an orphanage with her sister. She was raised by convent nuns until 18. She became a seamstress by day and a nightclub singer by night. After meeting a wealthy Englishman, she realized she felt more comfortable wearing his clothes, a more tailored fit, than the standard women's fashions of the day. Getting her start with a modest hat shop, Gabrielle Chanel soon introduced a sleek, minimalist style to project the youthful ease and confidence of the 1920s modern woman. Gabrielle Chanel assumed the name Coco, the great Coco Chanel. By 1929, she was a legend in the French fashion industry. However, by 1953, she was living alone in Switzerland after leaving Paris in disgrace, but then... Coco Chanel began planning one of the greatest comebacks in fashion history, and that comeback would be due to the purchasing power of American women. I'm going to stop there. The book is called Mademoiselle, Coco Chanel and the Pulse of History. It checks in at 473 pages, written by Rhonda Gerlich. Look, I love fashion. I mean, I didn't invest 16 years watching Project Runway not to appreciate a pair of Chanel two-tone slingbacks. And this book puts the fab in fabulous fashion. Whether you're a fashionista or not, it's a great story about one of the most iconic names in fashion history and how America saved her brand that today is one of the most profitable fashion houses in the world. The book, again, is Mademoiselle, Coco Chanel, and the Pulse of History. I picked it up in paperback, and it comes in other formats. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there is the music, which means our time is up. Van, why don't you throw us those website details? Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, if you visit abodabobrand.com, that's A-B-O-D-A-B-O-B-R-A-N-D.com, you can see a little bit more about what I do and uh, touch base with me. That is our time, ladies and gentlemen, and we thank you for yours. <laughs>